Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back for another Monday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the normal Monday morning fashion by giving us the weather headed into this week. In Los Angeles, California, it is raining with the highest 62 degrees. In Houston, Texas, it is partly cloudy, 82. And in Chicago, Illinois, it is raining, 49 degrees. And in New York City, it is partly cloudy, 75 degrees. So, Nick, last week we talked about candy. Yes. You know, we're we're starting to get, you know, some surveys and stuff now that the fall season's coming. Things are picking so back up. So, I have another one for you. Okay. Um are you stressed? You know, I I'd say a little bit. I'd say I'll say a little bit. Okay. Well, the American Psychology Association would disagree with you. Okay. But they would would you say your stress levels have increased or decreased since 2019? Since 2019, I'd say they decreased substantially. Okay, they would disagree with you again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so according to them, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, stress in America has gone up 41%. Whoa. And they also say this also does play an impact um, with economics, they say stress has gone up because of the economic climate, the war in Ukraine. Right. Um, they say between the economy, COVID, and the war in Ukraine, people's stress levels have increased 41%. Wow. Um, and so they thing. surveyed 4 million people, Whoa. and they found the most stressed states, the least stressed states, and the most stressed city and most or least stressed city okay do you have a guess on which <laughs> day is the most stressed you know i i would bank on new york if it's not the top it's close to it this is gonna absolutely blow your mind oh, on no. what the most stressed state is okay because when i saw this i thought this was like the least right hawaii is the most stressed state with an average 45.31% stress rate. That is... Wow. How can you be stressed in Hawaii? I can't believe that. That's actually insane. I get, in a way, I get it. Because, you know, if you think about it, relatively speaking, Hawaii, things can get kind of expensive. And, you know, be, between COVID especially... That can get difficult. So I can see the stress there. But at the same time, it's Hawaii. You're in Hawaii. You're in Hawaii. <laughs> um, do you know what the least stress state is, Nick? Uh, is it... Let me get a hint here. Is it like a less obvious state? Or might I be able to guess it by just kind of deducing it? You know, for me, it was a state that I wouldn't even think about. Okay. Like it's not one of those states that are in general conversation. Right. Okay. Um, um some people do consider it a tourist destination though. Okay, so it's a tourist destination, but it doesn't really come up in conversation. They're not tourist vacations. Right, right, right. Uh North Carolina? That is very close ah. to South Carolina. Ah. Is the least stressed state at thirty six point nine percent. Dang, I can't believe I was so close. 
Wow. Yeah. And then we get into the cities. Um, yeah. For the most, um, do you have any guesses what the most stressed city is? It's a city that I won't even think about, honestly. Uh, Detroit. Oakland, California. Oh, uh, huh. All right. Yeah, no, and definitely wouldn't have guessed that. At 47.35%. Right. Um, I, I would have pictured, like you said, Detroit. Sure. Uh, New York City. I, I guess I, if I really think about it, like knowing it now, I can understand Oakland. Never would have guessed it, though. Never um, would have guessed it. Now, I don't have it in front of me. My bad. Um, I just jotted this down. I don't know how this got jotted down instead of least stressed city. But there's also the... I have the most stressed city in the category of social media topics. Okay. Any guesses on what that one might be? Because, again, it's not one that I would be like. Yeah, we seem to have a lot of, like, more obscure answers here. Um, I don't know. Houston? It's in California again. It's It's Santa Clarita. So they're the most stressed in the category of social media topics at 63.45%. Wow. Yeah. Um, Never. I really wish I had it. it. Yeah. I wish I had it in front of me to tell you what the least stressed city is, but that would be a whoopsie daisy on my part. I couldn't Um, wager a guess on that one. You know what? Let's see if I can find it real quick. Yeah. I, I just, there's no way. I'd be able to even begin to figure that out. It's probably a city I've never even heard of before. Watch. Watch. Okay, so I did find it very quickly. Um, It's not by the same surveyor, um, but the least stressed city in America is Fairmount, California. So in the same category, uh, you know, in the same state where we have two of the most stressed cities they across the country the they have the least stressed yeah so that's kind of hilarious not gonna lie <laughs> oh geez there is that nick least most city state kind of interesting um yeah you know i just can't see it with hawaii i'm sorry. no no it still doesn't fit in my book i refuse to accept but the results you know are how happy are. I would be, Nick, if I was in Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'm right there with you. But anyways, getting into some news. The Federal Reserve just raised interest rates by another quarter of a percent. That marks the fourth increase of a quarter percent in a row. We haven't seen that in decades. As we've been reporting on this many times, the biggest tool the Fed has to deal with inflation is interest rates. Interest rates determine the cost to borrow money for you, me, and for businesses, whether that's a car loan, your credit card rate, your variable rate mortgage, or certain private loans. When interest rates are low, money is cheap to borrow like it's been for several years. That gives lots of people and businesses the ability to spend, stimulating the economy. But All that spending can lead to too much money being in circulation, and that then increases inflation. And that's what we're seeing right now. The Federal Reserve will be meeting one more time in December, and the chairman said it is likely that interest rates will go up once again. So you might be wondering, is it true that the FCC wants to ban TikTok? 
Uh, yes and no. Yes, it's true. The FCC commissioners is calling for the U.S. government to abandon its negotiations with TikTok over user data and security concerns and just simply ban the app. But the fact is the FCC does not have that power to do that banning apps isn't the FCC's jurisdiction. And even if it was, this call to ban the app is coming from just one commissioner and not even the chair. It's coming from Republican commissioner appointed by former President Trump, Brendan Carr. This isn't new. Carr made the same suggestions back in July. In fact, we even reported on it back then. Carr's beef with TikTok is its storage of U.S. user data. It's the same issue that came up under then-President Trump. Back in 2020, we reported TikTok's Chinese parent company ByteDance agreed to store U.S. user data on Oracle servers on U.S. soil. But TikTok has admitted that some Chinese TikTok employees with proper authorization do have access to that U.S. user data. Card doesn't believe the negotiations will satisfy the U.S.'s national security concerns. TikTok says Carr has no idea what he's talking about and has no clue what's happening in the confidential negotiations with the U.S. government agency in charge of regulating foreign-owned businesses on U.S. soil. So, is the app going to get banned? First, Trump tried to and lost several times in U.S. federal court. Within his first few weeks in office, President Biden canceled Trump's executive orders that attempted to have the app banned. It's safe to say with the midterm elections, inflation, gas prices, and abortion rights, the Biden administration right now has bigger fish to fry than to have this app banned. The Immigration Enforcement Agency announced last week the man who attacked the House Speaker's husband in their San Francisco home is in this country illegally. According to Homeland Security, David DePap is a Canadian citizen who entered the country on March 8, 2008 in the San Recijo port of entry, which is along the California-Mexico border as a temporary visitor. Generally, Canadians who are visiting for business or pleasure don't require a visa and are allowed to stay in the U.S. for six months. Well, obviously, he overstayed his visa, and now ICE has lodged an immigration detainer on him. ICE issues so-called immigration detainers to federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies to inform them that inform them that the agency intends to take custody of an individual and request that ICE be notified before the individual is released. The detainer is unlikely to affect DePap's case since deportations often happen after criminal cases are resolved, but after conviction and a prison sentence, the U.S. normally would seek deportation. We note DePap is facing serious federal and state charges for the attack on Paul Pelosi just six days after he was attacked in the head with a hammer paul pelosi was released from the hospital according to reporting he is resting comfortably in the pelosi home in san francisco he is recovering from a skull fracture and several other serious injuries so getting into a midterm update, we're going to start out with how the votes are actually counted on election night. So if you've ever been wondering how that works, we're going to tell you. And more importantly, what's going to happen the days and weeks after the election day? I want you to remember this and come back to it the night of the election to remind yourself 
of how it works when you start to question what's going on. Before I explain how it works, three things to remember. One, every state has its own rules and how it, to count its votes. Two, it's very common, especially in tight races, for the leader to change as more votes get counted. And because one candidate is leading in the beginning doesn't mean that candidate is going to win in the end. Three, I know we live in an on-demand society where everything wants to show up immediately, but that's not how it works when it comes to counting votes. Counting votes takes time, hours, days, and even weeks in some cases. And just because results don't come in immediately doesn't mean there's a problem. It's not a conspiracy. That's just how it works. So now to the voting. Many states allow early voting, absentee voting, and mail-in voting. In fact, we're seeing record turnout across the country for all of those things. But just because you mailed in your ballot or cast your vote early, that does not mean that your ballot has been processed or counted. Lots of states don't even allow election officials to touch those ballots until after polls close on election night. That means the votes that were cast on election day in person may be counted first, then election workers absentee and mail-in votes, process them, make sure they're valid, and then feed them through the vote counting machines. And that takes time. Some states do allow vote counting to happen all throughout the night and overnight, but some states don't allow this and close the counting late in the evening and pick it back up in the morning. You can check with your Secretary of State to see what the voting count rules are in your state. Lastly, some states like Georgia require a candidate to get 50% of the vote plus one in order to win outright on election night. And if one candidate doesn't have that number, there's a runoff on December 6th. Remember, that's what happened in 2020. No candidate got 50% plus one. There was a runoff election, and that's how Senators Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff were elected, and those seats gave Democrats control of the Senate. And yet again, the race for senator in Georgia could be the deciding factor in who controls the United States Senate. Now, there are several other Senate races that are so close, they too could determine which party controls the Senate. President Biden had a fiery speech six days before for the midterm elections in prime time. In it, he warned the country about the risk passed by voter intimidation and political violence. Quote, what we're doing now is going to determine whether democracy will long endure, President Biden said, framing the coming election as a choice between the, quote, dream of a democracy and the appetite of an autocrat. The speech comes as Democratic and Republican candidates alike are honoring their closing arguments in a slew of new ads directed at undecided voters and in a handful of remaining debates, the president referred to former President Trump without saying his name multiple times, saying his contestant questioning of the 2020 election results have caused many voters across the country to lose faith in the election system. And what's worse, President Biden says it's driving some to violence, as we've seen with the attack on the House Speaker's husband, Paul Pelosi, last week. The president also reminded Americans that because of 
state laws. Counting votes take time. It's not something that can happen the minute polls close, so voters need to be patient. A federal judge has ordered that a group monitoring Arizona's ballot drop boxes for, quote, signs of fraud stay at least 75 feet away from ballot boxes and publicly correct false statements its members has made about Arizona election laws. The far-reaching order from a federal judge dramatically restricts what Clean Elections USA or its allies can do or say near ballot boxes. The ruling prevents Dropbox watchers from taking photos or videos of voters and using the material to spread baseless allegations of electoral fraud. Clean Elections USA has been among the groups echoing the unsubstantiated fraud claims of former President Trump (laughs) concerning the 2020 presidential election. The order, which imposes temporary restraints, also requires the group to post statements online about the rules regarding drop boxes and prohibits it from making future false statements about Arizona election law. Clean Elections USA has agreed to parts of the order, but contested others. A lawyer representing the group and its founder said the group was likely to appeal on First Amendment grounds. Getting into rapid news, Twitter is about to start laying off employees as Elon Musk moves quickly to make the platform financially sound as possible. A judge has agreed to appoint a monitor for the Trump Organization assets, restricting financial transfers without approval. Nick, what do you got for this Monday morning good news? All right, so this one is a very interesting one and a bit of a different one from what we normally have, and I'll try my best to explain this. So there is a patient who, within 40 years of life, has not reached 40 years old yet, has had 12 different instances of cancer. 12. And among these instances has been several where it should have been fatal. There have been 12 different tumors found in 12 different parts of the body, five of them being malignant, and yet this patient has survived all of them. And this has led scientists and medical researchers to wonder how. So they've begun doing research uh, with the help of this patient and their immune system on how he's been able to fight off all of these cancers and they're doing all kinds of different gene research and DNA research and so on and so forth to try and figure this out to see if they can't find a way to improve cancer research and cancer treatments down the line because to this point they've never seen anything like this this is completely new to them and in fact in you know medical of, miracle, miracle is medical you know, it's yeah. a medical miracle and what's crazy is technically speaking, what they found is that what this patient has is technically classified as a syndrome uh, based off genetic mutations that they found within the DNA. But because of that syndrome, it's allowed him to fight off all of these different cancers and all of these different tumors. You know, sometimes miracles do exist. I, you can't really call it a miracle, but it is a miracle. And it is a miracle. <laughs> I mean, being able to fight off cancer 12 times and not even 40 years old. Like, yeah, it's, it's not fun that this patient and has had to go through. now that, helping, but. you know, researchers try to... Right. 
you know, having maybe a new pathway towards future cancer treatments and having a new solution, if they can figure out how to reproduce this occurrence or turn it into some kind of treatment, that would be beyond incredible. Yeah, without a doubt. That is the end of this Monday morning news episode. Remember, everybody, tomorrow is election day. So if you can vote, make sure you get out there and vote. It's very important to cast your ballot and do all that fun stuff. And me and Nick will be back tomorrow starting at 8 p.m. And then all the way throughout the night, we will be doing hourly election updates here on the podcast. On Twitter, we'll be live updates and, of course, on Medium as well. So you can find us on all three platforms for real-time update. So we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.